we're going for broke this week and we're not the only ones doing that don't want to miss this week's episode of the indie bar report podcast Episode 246 has gone off to a wild start of about five or so minutes that you will never hear, but it involved convention centers, Beartooth, and wildly uncomfortable scenes in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You can put the dots together yourself. I'm sure you won't be that far off. Isn't that right? The mayor of Whoville. Hey, if you or a loved one were at a concert, and I would say roughly 2016, that featured those emo bands that teenage girls like and one band that would scream in their face for 40 minutes in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, give me a call. We probably are entitled to the same conversation. <laughs> you know, so in other words, we're looking for bands that you could describe as the kind of music we think Jenna Ortega listens to. I guess. Yeah, I guess. That could be all over the board. I mean, I'm just saying, look at most of the characters she plays. It has some very strong, mm-hmm. like, I'm too cool for my chemical romance, so I need to see, like, the shittier version of them type of bands. She was literally born in the Coachella Valley, so there's a lot happening there. <laughs> so she would know. be a fan of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Oh, yes, I believe so. Damn. Nice. See, we're we're well bringing done. everything together here. And speaking of minor league teams, that's one that's not in financial ruin. We can't say that about this first team we have to discuss today, which is... You could probably guess it. Gastonia. So they yep. have, they've had some back, issues. Back to headlining. You want to recap the situation, seeing as this has kind of been uh, your thing for a while? Yeah, I guess it has been. Um, previously on Gastonia Honey Hunters, um, on the field product has been very good. Uh, if you've been paying attention, shout out to Brady Salisbury and friends there. But off the field there have been issues um in the initial installment of this it came out that they were not on time paying players to the point that they were uh, about to not take the field for a game the league had to get involved there um that started a whole controversy and it, it was revealed that the owner who is brandon bellamy uh and said to have about half billion dollars from real estate um was you know, late, uh, either somehow in financial distress when it came to the team. Uh, his girlfriend was the COO, Veronica Gion, and they had basically run this thing into the ground. Uh, it seemed like she was making more of the day-to-day bad decisions, but he was certainly involved with the uh, the big picture. Um, as it came out, they owed the city money. They owed all the, I mean, they owed employees, sponsors, vendors, anybody, the police money. But things I'll admit I didn't even think about. The, the gas company? the gas company, which is ironic considering they're what gas house gang LLC. Yeah. Um, yeah. So things I didn't think about at the time as this moved on a little bit, I mean, they still hadn't paid a lot of their people or whatever. It was assumed that something was going to have to give because the league was paying their players. Uh, and that's, you know, a massive no, no. I mean, there's the league, there's no way that the league wouldn't be stepping in with some sort of like, cause if there was no, they, they did nothing to display that they're going to be able to pay things next year. And the league isn't just going to pay for your team to exist. It's ridiculous. So that's uh, we knew something was going to have to happen. Yeah. Damn. So I started getting whispers. 
<laughs> well, I started getting whispers over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'll try to go in order here. This is stuff they didn't report yet because I like hinted at it, but I didn't fully report some of it. So I'll throw it in because this is important, I guess, the order of events of recent uh, things going on. So get your timelines um, out. I started, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, so I remember that I started hearing a couple of weeks ago that, hey, look, we're looking at new ownership, looking at new ownership. Um, I expect that to be solidified. Um, and that's from multiple sources, so I was pretty confident on that one. Um, but nobody is really going on the record with it, and it's one of those things that we talked about last week where it's happening at like the league level at that point. It's the owners who have to prove it. It's the league has to prove it. And, and that's a tight circle, high-up circle, where like it's really difficult to get sourcing on it. But um, from what I got, um, there was a lot going on, which I think was worth noting. Um, and the first thing I got was actually, I'll give this, this is from an anonymous source. Um, but talking to them, they said that there was a group put together to buy the team that was told in the 11th hour that the league had changed their mind and they were being forced by the city to go with a more experienced ownership group. And the franchise was being awarded to Andy Kaufman and his group. So Andy Kaufman, I think is from Florida, I think. I don't know as much about him because things got chaotic right after I got this info. And I was literally going to report it. I had a scheduled tweet for an hour later and I had to bang the whole thing. Um, so I need to do a little more research here. But um, essentially, Andy Kaufman would become the new owner. And, and the interesting points in that were that it seemed that the league and the city were in like uh, working together on finding the owner. And the city had a preference which made the decision of who the owner was going to be. What did that tell me? That, that told me that there is a continued agreement between the Atlantic League and I would assume the city to continue having baseball in Gastonia with the issue being what is going to happen with Brandon Bellamy. Um, what came out this week, among other things, is that, yeah, he owes over a million dollars um, to various sources, but also to the Atlantic League, which it should have occurred to me that, like, hey, there's an annual buy-in year after year uh, to keep the organization in the league. That's something I have actually talked about on this podcast briefly before. Um, and that there's just no way he's going to be able to pay that. I mean, he can't pay players a few thousand bucks a week. Like there's no way he's going to make this happen. So but a man worth um, half a billion dollars should have no problem coming up with the funds. And this is something that I've been saying since the jump, which is saying you're, you have a net worth of half a billion dollars is much different from saying that you have half a billion dollars. So anybody listening who is sort of like, well, how the hell does that happen? It, it, the money is in real estate. So when you take a net worth of somebody, you're taking into account all the real estate they currently own, but that can be very, budgetable and things like uh, the most frequent I've seen is like, well, how much is your property worth? Okay. So that means that's how much you're worth without taking into account that, okay, if you sell for that, you're, you might be taking a loss uh, depending on how your investments have been with that. So it, it's not like it was just simply, Oh, well, let me sell this property and I'll have the money for this team. Like who knows if how, you know, upside down he is on some of these other things too. So that seems to be what might've been happening there among other things. But, um, what it now comes down to is um, the report that basically he has been kicked out of the league. I am a little fuzzy on the details, but from what I'm getting and from what I would infer from other things we're seeing is he, basically the league, he was not meeting his expectation with the league. So there's a deal for the league to be in or the, the league to have a team in Gastonia for a certain number of years it seems like he has bought the right to that spot in Gastonia, like the Gastonia spot in the Atlantic League. I guess that's the best way to say it. He's bought that with his brand, which is Honey Hunters. He owns that brand. Mm. Um, Then when they were not meeting the minimum expectations and requirements for owners, the league went to him and said, look, this is a problem. 
you can sell and make good on the rest of what you owe and then be on your way or you, we can boot you. And it sounds like he was not interested in selling and he was kicked out and they are taking legal action. I guess there's a lot of people taking legal action. The C is owed a ton of money. The league is owed a ton of money. So yeah, they are, uh, he is, he and the honey hunters appear to be out leaving an empty stadium in Gastonia. The, the other interesting details were apparently the stadium is in a really bad condition for seeing as what, three years old. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's going to require some work. And uh, the city, I believe they lease that stadium from the city. So yeah, it's part uh, of the leases some, they take care of it. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. So the city is like, yo, you're not even taking care of our new stadium. Like definitely get the hell out of here. Yeah. So you're renting my car city, and you're wanted him out. I think, yeah, I think even if the Atlantic League wasn't interested in getting rid of him, I think the city would have forced their hand. Just think the city yeah. Like, yeah, he's got to go. So that was basically, everything came together on that one. He's out. Um, and where does that leave us? I mean, the, so the initial report, which is from the Gaston Gazette, um, I'm trying to remember the reporter's name. She was very nice. I suppose her Kara Foner, I believe it is. Mm. Um, it, she seems like she was good, but she seemed very new to the situation, which is, understandable because i've spoken here before about how underwhelming the local coverage was during this previous thing because it sounds like a lot of these local media outlets were tied up with got deals with the, the team so they were hesitant to really speak about what was going on here um so what she reported on and this will come to no surprise of our frequent listeners is mm. only the legal filings involved here the legal paperwork that's public because uh the league wasn't very forthcoming with any information for her the um the team wasn't so it you know the yeah. they shut especially down the Atlantic League it's hard to get some sourcing on a controversial topic so um the legal side just spoke about the honey hunters being kicked out of the league it, it makes it sound like Gastonia is done with baseball now in the Atlantic League which is not the case because of what we also know and I knew but I hadn't reported on yet is they already have an agreement going very closely uh, I guess to becoming official uh, with this other guy whose name is Andy Kaufman, apparently. Um, yeah, so that will kind of tell you that there will be baseball again. It's just that they need new owners to take it and probably a new brand. So look for that. Um, I mean, I, I'm trying to see if there's one more thing that slipped through. I think there was. Yes, there was. There's was a follow-up article. So she did get something from Rick White. Uh, she got an article update noting that uh, Rick White, president of the Atlantic League, confirmed that the Honey Hunters were terminated, but said the Atlantic League intends to field a team in Gastonia in 2024. He declined to comment further, which again makes it sound like they might leave at the end of the year. I, I don't have reason to believe that at this time, but we'll see what goes on. Because the Atlantic League, of course, has a team on the back burner uh, with the team in Frederick, Maryland, a.k.a. Spire City. So which I bet a lot happening about this moving parts. Yeah, uh, it even with a new owner coming in, it sounds like they have a lot of cleanup work to do. I could see it. I I initially even felt the argument being like, wow, you're an idiot for letting Spire City, you know, go for the year when yeah. you should have kept them and given the new guest owner a year to clean up. But realistically, I don't know if it's a good idea to have the reporting saying like, yo, this team is gone. And then a year later, they come back again. And it's like, people might not have been paying attention. I remember Lexington fought the battle of, the big articles were all like, they've been cut from the minor leagues. Like they're done. They're done in Lexington. And then you basically a year later, post COVID had to be like, Hey, we're in the Atlantic league. Now here's what that is. This is legit baseball. Oh, back to square one. Yes, actually there is baseball. And then you had to explain that there's Atlantic league baseball. Like, so yeah, man, it was, 
that's an uphill battle. So I kind of understand why and just keep it rolling and just put your new brand out there with a better taste in people's mouths. Like, uh, let's hope that they can do that. I mean, I've met more people out of the gastronomy market than even like the local ones to me. Mm. I'm rooting for them to have good things. They all seem very disappointed and hurt. Like, like the amount of hurt was always surprising in the conversation. Not surprising. I get it. Yeah. But like, I didn't necessarily catch or anticipate just how badly they wanted this thing and how like betrayed they felt. Like, I mean, so it's, guess is- it's, it's an area that, you know, it's not the nicest area. They've had some harder times. They're trying to clean it up. The Gasunia Grizzlies were a whole thing, and that was a whole whatever. A can of worms not going to open right now involving Jesse Cole from Savannah Bananas. But, like, finally they got this. It was a, they got a good thing. They got a nice thing. And for it to just be another disappointment sucks, man. It sucks. And uh, it's a real, like, uh, losing the football situation, or right when you think things are about to get better. Whoop. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. Like, really, there's so many other towns in North Carolina that do have successful professional sports and minor league baseball in particular and indie ball. And it's just embarrassing. Like, just, yeah, like your city just got like taken her ride by this, like, essentially scam artist. Like, because I don't believe he has any money at this point in time. Um, and because it, going back to the initial reporting, a lot of them, I, I still, I'm not the one to dig deeper on it. I'm not coffee's at love, not doing it. Mm. But like so many of the companies that Veronica and Brandon seem to be involved in were like barely companies or shells or like closed open, closed open in official paperwork with the government. And just like, seems like they have money just passing through as is convenient. It like, it, it feels like a scam artist and it sucks. And I hate it for them. And I really hope that this new owner who, Seems good. I mean, if the city was like, no, that's the guy we want because he's, it seems like the defining character was that they are more experienced with this. Mm. Um, I have high hopes, at least on that front. Like when I first reported this, my legitimate hope was that things would get worse. Like I, yeah. I honestly, I, I was, um, I, I was, let me explain that better. I was hoping it would get worse because, because you needed to bottom out people. to get better. Yeah, they hide and like Brandon hides, Veronica hides, and it's also like everything's fine, everything's fine. Like, no, like it had to be undeniable for something to happen here. And it did. And that's amazing, I guess. And yeah, that's, you know, now it, now we have a fresh start here. And now I'm like, I hope this is the bottom of it. And I got to ask a question Have you looked up this Andy Kaufman guy? I have not, but give me like two seconds. Do you know who else he owns? The Savannah Ghost Pirates. You know, the connection here to a pre-show conversation is elite right now. Pre-show out of nowhere, Nick went, yo, you know who's got a great like brand? It's Savannah Ghost Pirates. Like, hey, man, have you seen this team? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then we, I pulled it up. I was like, yeah, it is good, man. It's even better than I thought. Um, and that is so funny. And the Mighty Muscles, which is one of the ones that I typically rag on because it feels dirty. But... Um, Dude, that is That's interesting, man. And he seems like a fairly young dude. He's a college graduate in 99, so he's not, like, that old, right? Like, he's, what, about mid-40s? Late 40s? Yeah, I got a Jacksonville Iceman, too. Um, yeah, seems so like it. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I'm a little fuzzy on the finer details here. Yeah. Doesn't always get cited in these articles, but... Um, he does, yeah, no, because he got a bunch of ECHL teams in addition to the 
Ghost Pirates. You said Jacksonville Iceman. He's got the Allen Americans. He's got the Atlanta Gladiators, formerly Gwinnett Gladiators. So he knows what he's doing in that regard. He's very big on hockey here. So I kind of like him for that alone. But um, he does seem to have a lot of experience in southern markets. That seems to be definitely certain there. If he got the All-Star game for the ECHL in two of the last three years, that tells me that it seems like ownership groups like to work with him. His group, by the way, is uh, Zoyer Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. For anyone that wants to look that up, figure that season put out there. Let's see. What else do we have? 32-degree marketing, Lake Tahoe Pro Hockey. Oh, yeah, that's the next new expansion team that's coming in there, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he seems like a delegator, right? I'm sorry if yeah. you're getting dinged back on my control effing a whole bunch of articles right now. Yeah. Um, he does I, seem I, to, I, yeah. The quick notes I have on the Ghost Pirates are they're a fairly new team. Yeah. They won their first season, the article was find success with fans in debut, but basically it was their sub headline was like lots, like high attendance, not a lot of winning. But like that's also says something. Like you're able to get Savannah, Georgia of all places to buy in on hockey, on hockey even with a bad team. And then you have the next article is this was late season. They announced a twenty five million dollar practice facility in the local area. Like damn, okay. Yeah, so they're getting stuff working. They're getting stuff moving there. So yeah, that definitely seems like I, he's able to work with things here. Let's see. I'd like to look up more on his history with like like struggling organizations, like taking on struggling organizations. I wonder what that all looks like, but that's not a right now look up, but um, that would be, that would be telling. Yeah. See what I like about this guy though, is the ECHL seems to be a fairly decent comparison to uh, minor league or independent league ball, just because the finances I think are fairly similar, right? So when you're dealing with that, I do like that an awful lot. Uh, that has experience dealing with that kind of level of finance. So that gives me some hope there. The fact he's coming into the markets, he's clearly, or at least his group clearly, does a good job of building brands, making a lot of stuff happen. So you noted the practice facility there. So that's all very encouraging. That it seems like he can get the investment or is willing to make that kind of investment. So I am curious about this here. I'm trying to find what the attendance numbers are here. I'm struggling a little bit to find that. But... um yeah mm -hmm. ghost pirates are not in last so far this year they are third from the bottom with the main mariners and reading royals behind them. yeah they're a tough scene in reading baby that's why you got to stop going to those games you're, you're killing them you're killing them i've been there but like every time i go they're playing the bears get marked wow. um why savannah is the ECHL team playing an AHL fifth, team? savannah had the fifth best attendance in the league okay yeah, I got the hockey DB for it right now. So, yeah. Better yep, than I'm the Orlando <laughs> Yeah. That's yeah. always the weird place you go. And then Jacksonville Iceman's another team he owns, and they were top in the attendance. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's another team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's see. And then the third one was Allen Americans. Oh, no. They had the Gladiators and the Americans. Uh, Gladiators at just about 47000 a game. And then mm -hmm. Allen, not great. <clears throat> Allen, not great at 35, but still, that's pretty solid. But it could be this a different for last year, too, by the way. Cause, yeah. Because Reading is like six from the bottom, but Reading's a small little arena. And like yeah. for where Reading is and what the vibe is, like Reading actually does really well. So okay. 
it, it might, you know, we don't know a little bit about some of this, but like, I genuinely feel kind of optimistic here. Yeah, honestly, I'm really, I see why they want to go with them. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, let's see here. I'm just going to um, try and look up the, uh, the facility right now. If I can't find the Wikipedia page, that way I can find the, uh, the total attendance here. Remember, kids, you can cite, you can never cite Wikipedia, but you can cite the reference on Wikipedia. Big boon for you. Uh, ice hockey max attendance where the Allen Americans play is just under 63,000. So they were playing in about a half full arena, slightly over half. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair yeah. enough. I mean, from mid-sized Texas City area. Yeah. That's definitely yeah, um, terrible. The I just sent you a link to the team I saw there tonight, the Newfoundland Growlers, who have oh, yeah. one of the most underrated hockey jerseys out there. Great brand. Um, they need to have a deal with Clippers immediately. Oh yeah, I know, right? Especially because they're up in Canada. Yeah, yeah. it's great energy. Uh, I like how we've managed to re- see. We knew this move was coming for like months in advance. That's why we've been talking hockey more and more over the last few weeks, so that way we can have this conversation right now. Um, so it's fun how that works out. But yeah, as far as Kaufman as a whole, it does seem to be pretty positive, to be honest with you. Like, I'm strangely optimistic about this guy. He's not a real estate mogul with zero sports experience. Yeah, funny how that happens. So, uh, you know, things go well. I just want to see how much the Ghost Pirates are charging per game. They use Ticketmaster. Sorry, off the bat, I do not love that. Yeah, well, that's not great. Let's see here. If you include fees, cheapest seat is $33. So not terrible, to be honest with you. Not. I mean, uh, it's expensive for the ECHL, in my <laughs> opinion. We're way off, off topic where we started here. <laughs> I'm, which, honestly, I don't even think we're that far off topic. We're just kind of diving into the seat. Just trying to get a feel for where this could be going. Yeah, for or how the Zoyer bait. Uh, I guess Sawyer would be the correct way to say it kind of operates here and honestly it seems like it's a pretty well-ran pirate ship here that they're running so nicely done like overall i like the way they do things here it's like everything kind of flows surprisingly well you know like i'm yeah it's making me a lot more optimistic than i was expecting to be here yeah i feel really good about it like as owners go as you know towns go who need a good owner i feel like this is at least a good bet yeah and so like i guess to swing it back to on topic here it's an interesting situation because you have to do so much work to make up for the fact that you have just had a terrible run of it the last two years with the way bellamy's ran the team and just how everything's seemingly gone and now you have to really try to make up some goodwill. But there is clearly a passionate fan base there. There clearly is, you know, people that want to go out and support the team. I mean, you spoke to the level of hurt that people feel. You only feel hurt if you really cared about something. So clearly people do care about having a baseball team in Gastonia. So if you can manage to, you know, get the people on your side, prove to them, hey, we're not a fly-by-night thing. We're not just some group that wants to come in and try to make some money off of you. We're a group that wants to go out and provide you value for your dollar, have you come out to the ballpark, you know, 80-so times a year and really enjoy yourself while you're here. And we're going to find a way for you to, you know, really feel like this is a memorable experience and something I have to do frequently. 
if they're able to manage to make that happen, you know, there's a lot of success that's possible here. Now, you know, we've talked about before, at least my thoughts on when you build the entertainment district to try and revitalize the city, how that normally doesn't go the way you expect it, and certainly not early on. So maybe that's not going to be the case for Gastonia to get the city itself back up and running. But as far as it pertains to the actual ball club itself, I think there really is a chance to kind of like get it up and going in the right way and really fulfill the potential it can. Because keep in mind, even attendance-wise, prior to you know it going off the rails this past year, it never was really great. So if you can start to improve that area. Yeah. I agree completely. I, I don't have much else to add. I feel like I'm so like, again, I, I end up in like gastronomy fatigue, but I do feel like it's been of the embarrassing and bad things like it need that need a good result. I feel like this is, a, a, this is walking the tightrope for a potential good result to come from this. See, that's what makes me like a little cautious still too, is while all the pieces look good, we have had situations in the not that distant past where we looked and said, these are good people running the show here. This should be good. And then it just not work out. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm like kind of pausing at it. And they like, we still got to keep in mind, it's still a huge restoration job that has to be done. That can't be underscored, but it does yeah. look like things are trending in the right direction and the right pieces are there. It's a matter of what's the commitment going to be. And I am a little bit concerned about, you know, city government here. Clearly, this experience they just had, not positive. If you have to try to evict the the uh, current leaseholder for essentially not paying anything and uh, shitting up a brand new building, that's never a good starting point. So you wonder, people that may have been, you know, had some reservations about this whole adventure in the beginning are they going to be willing to really give any rope to this new group to try and turn it around? Obviously, you know, you can't just have this building sitting here and you'd really like to not have to dump more money into it to try and repurpose it for something else. But at the same point in time, like, it, it is a powerful reminder of like, hey, we can't keep picking the wrong people and we can't, you know, keep giving people time to try and figure it out because... We're going to get stuck holding the bag. So at what point is it now, all right, cut it off, end it here, and let's call it quits on it. So that concerns me a little bit. And like I said, the general public too, the people that are dedicated and really truly are fans of baseball in the area, they're going to keep coming back no matter what. It's the people that, you know, saw what this turned into that you're going to have to win back. And maybe they don't care all that much. Maybe they just view it as, oh, yeah, those guys weren't any good. Maybe now it's say, I hope it's not a cashless stadium because I don't want to trust them with my credit card type of deal. But I still think you can win them back. It's just overall, just everything falling into place is more or less than concern for me. Yeah, well, hmm. as you said that, <laughs> I started yeah. thinking about something else, which is, well, uh, not something else necessarily. It's actually, I think, more the flip side of what you're saying, which is, yeah. I think when we've seen other ownership groups come in, we're like, hey, this looks good. That was good. It looks like they're checking a lot of the boxes here and then doesn't work. It's because of the other things. It's because yeah. of the city. It's because of the ballpark. It's because of uh, the league. I think, um, or because of the people put in charge. I think this actually does answer a lot of those from the point, I mean, working backwards here. This does seem like a guy who's got 
successful ownership at a few places. That means he has been a history of delegating and putting the right people in charge. Um, it means that, you know, who knows the on-field production will look like they do have to fix the reputation there. You're worth noting Brady Salisbury is still available. So if it's a good owner, maybe we could see him return. Um, however, uh, the stadium, while there are reports of some issues from neglect, basically maintenance neglect, it is still a new ballpark. So it's not so far gone. It'll be, it should be fine. Um, when it comes to now the league, the league seems determined to make something work with Gastonia. They have a deal there. They're locked in for at least a period of time. So I, I would look to see some buy-in from Gastonia, though I, I do worry that the Atlantic League does have the fallback of Spire City if they need it. And that would also solve the fact that they now, I mean, Spire City would give them an odd number of teams for the reason they're not playing this year. That's a different can of worms, um, what the Atlantic League is going to do next. But I do expect good buy-in from the city on this one. And simply because, one, they do seem invested enough to be making some sort of, not the choice, but having input on the choice and solid input on the choice of who is going to be coming in to run the show here. Um, additionally, the fact that this collapsed so quick in like three seasons, really two and a half till it really hit the fan, yeah. maybe four years total from announcement of this team to now. Um, that means a lot of the people in city government who have said, Hey, let's hand over money for this. Let's um, invest in this. Let's invest in this owner. Let's do all this. Who, who, you know, promoted that owner who shook hands with him. Like all of that, a lot of them are still elected officials in office it's like yeah. not even a full term that has passed yeah. so like man like a lot of these people got to answer for some things and they're like we're not going to get left holding the bag for an empty ballpark in the middle of the city that taxpayers have a lot of say in. like it, they it's just not an option if you're a politician that cannot happen um so i would expect to see some fight <laughs> from the city in the form of like you know, some support and maybe some flexibility when it comes to working with this new team, especially now they also know what to look for in terms of like, I, I mean, the fact that it got so far with the city, I, I think a lot of the, it was, you know, they would, Veronica Joan was probably doing the same song and dance she did to the media when this all started, which was like, well, you know, early teams always have financial issues and so it's tight right now, but we'll get it to you. Don't worry about it. Yada, yada. It'll be fine. Um, it's just a couple late checks. And a couple they didn't bounced, know to be like, know. no, 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 no. Like they didn't know to be like, no, stop. Like, what are we doing here? And sound the alarm a little bit. And maybe they didn't want to, but, and that's all interesting. Um, so I'm at least confident in mostly um, <laughs> things going pretty well. Um, I do worry about the Atlantic League on multiple fronts, but there's only so much you can do there. And, and if Gasterian shows themselves to be a, a good contributor to the league, you know, that can get you off the hot seat real quick. So we'll see, you know, there's, I, I, I think there's other organizations who are already trying to leave the Atlantic League in the near future. So that might, you know, that is also going to shuffle the deck. So we'll do a future episode on what's going on with the Atlantic League maybe, but that's just, uh, that, that's at least the 30,000 foot view on a bunch of this stuff, I guess. Yeah. I do want to pivot to the Atlantic League one second, but I do want to just go back to saying how they can't get stuck holding the bag on an empty stadium. They're also in the position mm -hmm. though, there's only so much more taxpayer money you can throw at this, you know, current situation. And if it fails again, then you're really toasted on it. And then the overall long-term picture becomes in doubt as well. So mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like, 
I obviously they're going to get some rope here, but the question is yeah. how much is it? How much? You're right. That's a good point. Yeah, because there's only like I said, if it's another say 10, 20 million, okay, that that's doable. If it's another say fifty, that's a much different number, right? So mm-hmm. especially yeah. when you're already left holding the bag, and if you look at it from afar, you go, it's a team. Well, obviously not the same team, but. Generally speaking, the last Gastonian professional baseball team left debts over town, didn't run the ship right, and kind of burned some bridges with the kind of lifeblood of your team, meaning both fans that would be attending and local small businesses that are going to make up the uh, bulk of your sponsors, the bulk of like, your outing dates, things like that. All those groups have been burned by the last pro team in here. At a certain point, it's like, okay, well, great, you have the track record. The last time we did this, we were left out however many thousands of dollars. So, like, maybe we're good on this. So, everything you need to point to, like, look, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to be healthy. That becomes a little bit more difficult to do it that way. And so, when you don't have those benchmarks, because maybe it's just too hard to get the people to cooperate with you, because, you know, past performance on them has not been what they wanted, even if it was with the different group it's kind of hard to then go to city hall and go look we're doing all the right things like at all the benchmarks we tried to get right so that's Mm -hmm. a little concerning to me is an area where i want to see how that develops but i do think generally speaking if you can start to make good on some of that shorter term deals for these more uh grander type of sponsorships for your wall ads for your inning sponsors maybe like luxury box sponsors things like that if you go with a shorter term deal as more of a look we'll take the loss on it we'll take the you know less ideal side of this deal to just foster some good faith maybe that's the way you have to do it for the first year or two just to go and prove hey look we're different we actually know what we're doing here. We want to be part of your business. We want you to be part of our business. We want to do this together. Maybe that's how you have to do it. Just so that way, you know, you can get everything in a row before you start running it the way you want to. So I don't know. But overall, the access to the resources is just a concern in my, of mine. Just because I think it's going to be a bit limited. And as far as from the private end of things, I think it's going to be a bit more guarded just because small businesses can't take gambles and lose twice and stay in business. Yeah. I don't have much else to, to add on that. I would expect, I mean, look, the Atlantic communications are unreliable. Yeah. I You're telling me if I would expect within the next week, maybe 10 days from this episode dropping, uh, some sort of announcement that there's a new owner coming to Gastonia. Cause I think this article coming out has really forced the hand to be like, okay, what the hell's happening here? Um, See, the thing is, though, and, I, I wouldn't even say that it's that soon. I very well could see it being until the new year. Because the Atlantic League yeah. has consistently proven they don't really care about communicating. And they'll just kind of do it when they feel like it. No, but I would also say, okay, maybe it doesn't come from the league, but it could just come from news of the, from the organization. That like, I think is more likely. Yeah, fair. I think we see a new story about a new owner within the next week to 10 days. I just, I could agree with that. I think it's going to be from the organization side, from this owner. If this is the owner who ends, it ends up being seems like the kind of guy who knows the importance of we got to go now. We got to get a new brand out there now. Like, like, you know, you're about to lose your Christmas. So exactly. So, um, yeah, you want to, 
leave as little time as possible between this article happening and an announcement that something is going on. So if you have a new owner that you can lock in, you want to roll soon. Um, additionally, by the way, I'd say, I think, I still think it's likely that before new year, we have a new ownership in Lexington. Yeah. I just keep hearing that from multiple people. Um, again, I'm a little bit lost right now on who that new owner is. I heard a lot of rumors. It was going to be the original owner of the team or one of the original owners of the team. Uh, don't I, I haven't heard much on that entire front so far except for continuing to talk about an ownership change. So look for that to happen, I think, soon. I think remember they had that issue about a month ago of like literally not paying donations out to little leagues. <laughs> like so I would say that that is imminent in, in many yeah. ways. So keep an eye on that one as well in the Atlantic League. Which I guess is the the circle into the greater Atlantic League picture that will I guess spend a little bit of time on just briefly before moving on to the rest of the week because there really isn't too much else as far as news goes around the world of independent ball this week, which is it's a real situation to be part of the Atlantic League right now, ain't it? Where it is, dude. Yeah. Where you have one team on hiatus that's trying to build a new brand that started trying to build that new brand in like July. Then you have another new team coming in here that seems to be getting the luxury of being able to have the whole year and similar territory to the other said team that's on hiatus. So pretty much getting to do it without anyone on their back. You have another team that's just got kicked out of the league. And meanwhile, everybody else that isn't in the news is seemingly doing well, except for like Lexington, who's trying to find a new owner. But everybody else, you know, if you're in Pennsylvania or New York or... Southern Maryland's fine. Um, High Point's fine. You know, it's a weird time. Yeah. You know, I would caution that there are a lot of organizations that I think are less fine than they may appear. I mean, fine being a wide a wide net. Oh. Um, I know I, from at least it's always caught me that Southern Maryland doesn't seem to be as financially healthy as they were pre COVID. Um, High Point always seems to be a weird situation of low attendance and but they're like a non-profit so who yes, knows what's going on there and then organizationally they seem pretty professional so like you trust they're going to get it going mm-hmm. there's the rumors like staten island trying to leave that's a whole thing and charleston trying to leave as a rumor as well like so there's there's a lot there but then yeah the core of the league continues to seem strong langster even well langster and new york or long island are the two that really stick out in my head but yeah i mean there's other ones too so yeah it's a weird it's a very mixed bag in the Atlantic league um yeah, um, because I, I, I could yeah. throw thoughts on that all day, but I don't know if it's the most productive thing I could contribute. But yes, that is, it is a very peculiar league, man. Because like the thing is, too, their future planning is just so difficult because of that financial situation with the two teams that are getting new ownership, two teams that may want to leave, that we think are going to leave, but haven't fully committed to leaving. And then no matter what, if you lose any combination, any pairing of two, you still have an odd number. So realistically, like losing one would solve your number. And if not, it's not like you could just tell Spire City, all right, just hang out in reserve for like two or three years and then you can come back in once we find an expansion market, right? So you have to figure it out. So you kind of have to plan with everybody in mind, even if you're pretty sure you're not going to have everybody on board once you get to that destination. So it is a very interesting spot to be in and i don't like i want to say something deeper on it but i don't really know if i have a deeper like 
overarching thought of like the issues the league's facing versus where they have to go from here. It, it just kind of feels like, okay, they have like some markets they feel good about on the markets they're not and they have to plan with them all in mind even though they know not all of them are going to be there so like do you kind of secretly hope someone drops out so that way you get relieved of having to make tough decisions and possibly finding yourself in a worse spot or do you say all right we got all these people they're here for the long haul we'll just we'll work with them here until they're not part of our organization anymore right so like it's well, yeah yeah and then it's interesting too because i think going into 2023 uh, on an on-field perspective because the only thing has always held themselves as the number one on mm. on-field product I, I they were being caught by both the american and frontier leagues and now frontier league was further back but the american association was really again i talk about uh, for pro- projection's sake uh going into this year the uh, one to 100 scale where 100 is major league baseball and one is fill in the blank, like low level high school. Mm-hmm. The Atlantic league was operating at an 81 and a half. Okay. And the good. American association was at an 80.4, which is the closest they've been in years. So that's right. Um, on the heels. Exactly. Now that gap seems to have widened. I'm still writing some of those numbers, but it seems to have widened just a, a hair. It's not much, but it, the pressure seems to be relieving there a little bit. But it's interesting to step back further and, because that's relevant because that's something that the Atlantic League really does pride themselves on. So if they were to lose that, that's a fascinating situation. Frontier League has the since announced would be, that. Certainly. Yes. And the, the Frontier League has since announced that they're not really going to fight that battle. Mm. Um, they, they not announced, sorry, they've shown signs, I guess, where they're, they're backing down their, their monthly or their yearly salary cap for players. Like they're just, they don't seem like that's the, the boat race they want to get into, mm. but the American association really hasn't stepped back. The talent level continues to seem good and is improving. I believe um, it feels more like they've declared it, it, outright war on the assertion there. I mean, numerous times they've been told like, yeah, you know, it's you and the Atlantic League at the top. And they're kind of almost certainly go, no, they're not there. And they've made yeah. moves to try and like say, talent wise, we believe we're equal to better than. And we're mm. going to beat them on the business side of it. And quite frankly put, if I'm looking at the business organization, at least outward facing, consumer facing, it's turning into a runaway for the American Association. Well, yeah, and there's actually to curve that thought back in where I'm heading. Like, mm. it, I do believe the American Association has done what they could with on-field product for now, and they understand that the only way, like, it starts to be a bad investment to continue to invest in on-field product, it just as is. And what they're starting to do now is try to really, st- like, strengthen their grip on the business side, and that sort of continuation of you know good marketing good branding and running things well and maximizing profit as much as they can on things. It seems to, um, I think that is their ticket to once again, sort of being able to reinvest in the on-field product and, uh, you know, improve the reputation, which also will improve the on-field product as players make selections between Atlantic league teams and American league teams. For the most part, I do think if you have an offer from the American association and the Atlantic league, for the most part, players will go to the league that just gives them the best offer. Um, that so the, it's not uh, really that. The renew clause on that too. 
That's the thing. The Atlantic League does have a more player-friendly contract, and they do have more money in the budget to pay. Uh, and they have more roster uh, spots for talented players because there's no roster restrictions. So that's, that is where they're behind. And I think that's, again, what I mean when I'm saying I think they're not going to loosen that up until they have more of a stranglehold on the business side of things. So that is starting to veer off a little bit because the main thing I'm, I'm thinking of is while that maybe pressure is relieving slightly for the Atlantic League, I think it's fascinating that the, what I'm hearing and what we're seeing is seems like the Frontier League is trying to work to get some teams in that are currently in the Atlantic League, like the teams that they're counting on, that teams maybe who don't want to spend the way they're spending on players. I mean, it's about half as expensive to be in the Frontier League on a player just from paying players. Um, when it comes to, like, organizations we've talked to, there's been rumors about Charleston talking and wanting to leave the league. There's been rumors about Staten Island even, which they'll argue, but I've seen the screenshots, so we'll deal with that. Yeah. Um, then you have conversations about them as the Frontier League also looking in Jersey more, uh, which is interesting. Hmm. Then, especially considering the Atlantic League currently is oh. not in Jersey, which we've talked about in the past. On the other side, for a second, I was like going south. Yeah, for a second, yeah, I was like, well, "Where in Jersey are looking?" And I was like, "Oh, wait, the thing we talked about." <laughs> on the other side of things, down south, we're seeing uh, Josh Schaub in Tennessee talking to markets down there. So they're obviously looking to cut east which is going to really start to hone in because the Atlantic League and American Association have really not shared any sort of footprint. But now all of a sudden the American Association is starting to move in on the very few markets that seem like potential expansion destinations for the Atlantic League. And we know they want to expand. So Unless man, Murfreesboro that, decides that that historic village just cannot be put in any sort of danger whatsoever. Uh, right. But I would also suggest that I don't think that's, I would, I would, be surprised that's the only market they're looking at i think yeah no there's uh, like another eight i mean it makes sense yeah and we've heard said there's much. some movement on a potential stadium Red renovation baton rouge. baton rouge like yeah. we've talked about that in the past i think if the american if the Atlantic league is paying attention they're realizing that moves are being made and they need to be on it they can they need a good year or two they need a year without mess year one uh coming out of covid it was the weird, like, what is up with Gastonia year, uh, high point, still not getting attendance. Uh, the next year, it was the Lexington meltdown. This year, it's the Gastonia meltdown, and rumors are still around Staten Island being, you know, what is going on there. Don't forget the, the rules rebellion over the mound. Right, man. That was, what, right out of COVID, before COVID even, they were kind of looking questionable with how they were using their rules. Like, yeah. they, they need a good year of legitimate high-level mm -hmm. professional baseball, which yeah. is what they deliver, man. It's just they need to shut out the noise so that the message can be clear of what the product is because they're just doing too much and they're not doing it well. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. And I, then I almost want to pose the question of, are you better off getting rid of the half-believers? You know, only keep the true fanatics that are dedicated to being in the battle to be number one and truly care <clears throat> about that top status so you get rid of the charlestons that seem to not be fully in you get rid of the stan islands that aren't fully in you trim the dead weight in lexington that can't figure itself out and tell them you're going away for a year or you're going somewhere else because we can't have you you're not fully committed to this trim it all down keep just the true believers keep the core group that you know is not going to cause any problems and then just rally around that for a year or two to try and rebuild the image and then slowly bring the problem children back in or go into new markets that, you know, you have to beat out other leagues in. Is that almost a better play or is that just harming the business and the potential growth way too much to even consider it? 
I do think that is a potential play. I think that um, I think it's hard to back it down to eight, especially when you're looking to expand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might not be a bad preservation of the brand, preservation of the quality. Like, though, remember by giving up teams, you're inviting comp- the other leagues into your footprint, and that's where it's also a tough one because somebody's going to come into the cities. Like, fair, but it's, um, not, it's not the American Association. Realistically, do you care if the Frontier League's there? Who said it wouldn't be though? Who knows what the Frontier uh-huh. League is thinking at this, or the American Association thing at this point? They're unpredictable. Um, really though like uh, charleston would be the only one where i feel like they're well i guess lexington too because you're going murfreesboro lexington's right there and charleston would be that far and then if you convince gateway to jump ship it starts to all like piece itself together and then like i'm trying to think in my head like just the rough geography of it like banton rouge it's good because if cleburne's staying then you have a partner with it and you can do more group mm-hmm. scheduling. Now, granted, it's not like it's that close. I mean, it's still like, what, four-hour bus trip? So, you know, it's not like it's that great. But it is a lot easier to work. And you can also kind of be like, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to toss one more team down here, and we're making a pod, and someone's getting screwed. So, realistically, they're at, what, 12 teams, if I remember right? Because four made the playoffs, two mm-hmm. missed. Yeah, they, are, they got 12 in the American. So... Mm-hmm. If you add another, like I'm trying to figure out like how the pod works, right? Because like four by four would work. That's a lot to add in a short time frame. So yeah, it's just, it's so interesting here. And because the, like what makes it interesting is just like you still assume the Atlantic League, if they just get it together, can kind of quell anything else. But if they don't get it together, it's like we know that Chubb is a very capable leader and understands like we're going to grow here and we're going to go for him and we can take over what they were and he's not going to do them any favors and like we'll let them get back on their feet. No, he's going to. So it's just such an interesting setup. Yeah, uh, it is going to be very interesting to watch like on the field and off the field, how this plays out. And it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to start finding out. And part of it that kills me is like the Atlantic League lets themselves fall out of consciousness, essentially for markets, like by waiting forever to start doing normal transaction signings in the off season. And I wonder if part of it's because they don't know who the hell is going to be owning these teams and paying the bills. Like, I guess maybe we're waiting on that sometimes. I don't know what the deal is, but um, I'm just... Like the American Association's announcing players come back while they're being able to sell merchant tickets, you know, things like that. And you're able and to use those returning players too to like help you, guys you with that. Gotta wake up. You need to understand the little things are important. That's just that's why I'm yeah. kind of surprised. That's an like, ongoing thing, and I won't start beating that drum again. But it's just if we look at the things that need to happen to make the next year or two the the year they need to have to get this done. Then, like to really solidify the, some things in a league that has looked not solid for a little while, that's what needs to start happening. Which kind of surprised me why you see better ran teams like, say, York and Lancaster not have like their own little like transaction roundup. We see a lot of American Association teams do that where they have like those little pop ups there where they're like, hey, you know, this is what the team did this past week. I know York kind of has their hot stove thing that's 
I think on the radio. <clears throat> Let me finish choking here so that way I can actually speak. Um, but you would think like you'd go ahead and have like just one front office person that you keep on as a full-time guy. Go on camera, talk to everything. Don't they have the one dude that does like the can and stuff that you could use there? What's his name? Like Doug yeah, or something? Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, like have him go on once a week. Do like a hey, we're bring we brought back this, we got this going on. Put that up on the social channels and just try and get that going. Now, obviously, a team like York, by having that hot stove thing, and they're pretty active on social, so they're doing something here. But there's a lot of teams that really could be doing more. And like even the well-ran teams, like you know better than I, because this is your whole, you know, you you do social media. It seems like the social media strategy is lacking on a lot of teams too. And like this isn't just an Atlantic League problem, but they're the subject of the conversation, so they're going to get targeted here. But it feels like a lot of them just kind of lack. And like the only time you see them post is in season and in game updates. Like that feels like it. And it's like, ye, this should be more to promote your brand. You could be doing a lot more, especially in the off season, because off season wise, this is the main channel for you to stay in the consciousness of people. And it just feels like a lot of times they're not doing that. Yo, that's another thing. I mean, I don't, we're way into this now, but I do think like that's a bigger one. So from my understanding of a large number of these Olympic front offices, it seems to be that the season ends, the social media people are let go of seasonal employees or even interns. The full-time employee is running all the marketing. So like the social media is, yes, it's important, but the way these teams tend to value it, it's like, oh, also like, that's right. It's this holiday. Throw something out there. Oh, there's this news event. Throw something out there. Like, so it's super occasional. It's barely relevant. And then, oh, all of a sudden now they're selling tickets. Quick, quick, quick. Get on Facebook. Which, lol. <laughs> um, but then you look at um, it, even in season though, it's lacking because you deal with things like um, they don't. The uh, you never see Atlantic League teams post when the team is on the road. You just never see it, and that's that seems pretty unique to the Atlantic League. Mm. Um, I mean, there's other leagues that do it too, but like the only thing really should not be doing it. And I've, I've mentioned it before. I've talked to teams before and I've mentioned it and they always go, well, yeah, but they, they fall back on the, like only 5% of our fans are really in it for the baseball. So like, what are we doing? Like, I'm like, yeah, but it's cool. Like as long as you're like promoting the next homestand or whatever, but it's also nice to be like every once in a while promoting that product they're going to be seeing. And even if nothing else, reminding them that like, Hey, look, this is what's going on. So I've just been like, eh, we're a t-shirt company for three days out of the week. And Oh, we're coming home. Hey, come see some games. Like it, you need to be pushing everything in a balance as opposed to just like, Oh, we're pushing games because we're home. Oh, we're gone. Okay. Whatever else. Like, what are we doing now? Like it just, there's a lack of focus, a lack of understanding what people are looking for. And, a not a lack of understanding of just how quickly you can be forgotten in a very competitive entertainment market like market i mean yeah just, like and the thing brutal. is too like my counter to that five percent thing is like okay i can understand that if you want to promote other things that are happening at the ballpark let's say you had a concert or some type of festival or a convention or something like that that you want to promote you want to get people out to okay i understand that that's probably a revenue driver so it takes priority fine but you probably could grow that 5% that care about the baseball up more. And I would assume if you have more people that care about the baseball and thus the team too, you could probably, you know, get them for a little bit more money or at the very least have a 
larger base to work off of, which lets you try new things because you know you have more people that are going to be behind you and it's going to be hard to lose them. But that's a different tangent. Mm. Still, like, is it that much more expensive to just send the social media guy with the team on the bus? Like, how much more is it going to cost you to send them on the road trip? Like, even just the short road trips. Like, let's not even say the ones where you're going, doing the North Carolina swing or going out to Kentucky. Let's just say the short ones to, like, Long Island or Maryland. Like, is it going to really run you that much more to toss them on the bus and just have them room with one of the players? And even if they're not into that, when I was in Lexington, Sip Garza was the bench coach. Great dude. Love him. And I looked at Sip one day, like, yeah, dude, I don't want to mess up your flow, but like, when you guys hit the road, would you mind like snapping a couple of pics of like two sponsored things and like a couple guys warming up for me? Like, I need a couple like action shots of guys. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, dude, no problem. He has an iPhone. Like, yeah. it, I was already unemployed by the time they went on the road. Spoiler. <laughs> but like, it was, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's just no one, what's up? There's a guy on every team who's at least somewhat competent with an iPhone. Like, like, uh, and the thing, like basic photography embrace. is not hard to teach somebody. Just like here, point, put them either in the center or have them up hot. Like, don't have them in the middle, but just like make it look interesting. That's all I need you to do. Yeah, and like beyond that too, there's always the hesitation. I'm like, oh, well, you don't want to bother the guys. I'm like, you know who loves being on social media for a team? the guy who's trying to get noticed so he can not be on that team anymore. Like, yeah, it'll be fine. Like get a guy, like it, it takes a little bit of a sales job if you're going to make them look silly. But like, if you're just getting some pics of them warming up, bro, like it's fine. Don't overthink it. Just, it, and I agree. I always remember that I'm very different and only about 5% are really looking for baseball, but a hundred percent are showing up to baseball games. So let's continue to make it clear what you are, what the brand is, and then find creative ways to mix in and display what you're selling around that product. Because I understand that 90% of people are going to buy the tickets for what's going on around the baseball game. But still, don't forget what your base is because it helps it helps to anchor whatever wildness you're doing, I guess. I describe it like the stake on the kite. Like the... The kite can fly all sorts of ways and do all sorts of pretty things in the sky, but it can't get away with doing that if it's not staked down. You're staked down in the game and bringing the community out to the game. Then you can get creative and wild and show all that you're capable of. You know, I almost feel bad adding on to the last point because that was a really great way to like wrap this up. But I, I <laughs> do just, it. I just, just do it. I, I whatever. Just gotta throw the thing on here where it's like, we also live in a time where there's just so much content machinery going on where everybody wants to aggregate cool clips and stuff to throw on to just try and get more engagement. How many times have we seen like independent league plays featured on, you know, whether it be Barstool, John Boy, Sports Center? Like we've seen this happen more and more frequently. If you can be the one that puts the clip out on Twitter that then gets noticed and then gets spread around. That's going to help with your engagement, even if it's just as simple as someone tweeting it out and going video from and then your Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it handle. That's going to engage promotion, even if you only get, say, one percent of the people that look at that 
that even go on and like search up the team or click the link that will bring you to it, you're probably going to get a, a handful of people that are they are going to say, hey, we're not that far from this team or the team that plays these guys. Why don't we go out to a game or something? Why don't I buy merch from it? Because a lot of them too, it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Let me just buy a shirt from here. You have a lot of people mm-hmm. that just impulse buy stuff. Make your brand known. You'll be able to profit from it somewhat. Or at the very least, you never know when you're just going to get lucky and the right thing's going to hit at the right time. So put yourself in a position to be able to take advantage of good luck. Yep. That's well said. Yep. So I feel like on this point, we've kind of hit just about everything. Future Gastonia, future of the league. We didn't really even talk so much about like, wow, this whole situation is really a shit show because we've, you know, mentioned that in excess in the past. So I'd say, do we have anything else left to say on the topic? But I feel like we've kind of covered it thoroughly over the last hour. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I feel good. I feel, I feel like we did. Yeah, we covered. Yeah, I feel like right. we actually had like the first really good conversation we've had in a few weeks. I mean, yeah, it's mostly we just bounced around between like, you know, revolving news topics, but that was a big one. I think we did just yeah. like, and just as everybody else just shakes their heads. Like what the <laughs> hell was the whole ECHL sidebar? Hey, I think the ECHL sidebar was very important. I think it was somewhat credible. <laughs> to have in this episode this person what i think sure but more importantly in case anyone's wondering what our pre or post show conversation sounds like the past hour is pretty much it that's what it is only slightly more focused so if you want to live stream that was it okay so <laughs> comment below <laughs> oh god oh, don't i'm f- not sure we want to invite that don't forget to smack that like button but <laughs> as i crack a a beer open here. Uh, it's not even a nooner. Horrific. Uh, no, not even. I don't know. Just randoms left by the in laws. So I'm like, sure, I'll drink that. I'm like a garbage disposal, but for random alcohol. All right then. Everything you described yeah. sounds like the actions of a powder head, and that's going to send us. Oh Montana. my god! Yeah, nicely done. I know. So Missoula went ahead. They were teasing this big announcement coming. And they were teasing it, they were teasing it, they were teasing it, and they finally figured it out. They have an off-season identity. The paddle heads will be called the powder heads for the off-season, presumably for certain games this year. Uh, essentially, the moose that is normally like tubing down a river or you know paddling down a river is now hit the slopes. They have a skiing version of the mascot, a snowboarding version of the mascot. It wears a very 90s-inspired ski suit with a green, white, and pink that reminds me a lot of one of those cups you used to get a lot in like the 90s and early aughts. You know exactly which ones Mm -hmm. I'm talking about. The jazz pattern. There's a pattern name for it. Oh, okay. I didn't know it had a name. Now you know. But all right. So yeah, the jazz pattern cup is essentially what it is. And I really vibe with it personally. I like it. I think it's kind of fun. I like that use of colors. I like that they're bright. I like that they're they pop against the background. I think it's a fun way to kind of sell some more merchandise. I think overall, it's really cool. I think you could do a lot of interesting design things with it. I think you can really incorporate it into the whole Missoula, Montana aspect, which quite clearly involves a lot of outdoors and nature themes. It's kind of their thing. So definitely dig that. Definitely down with that. Um, overall though, 
I don't really have strong opinions on it. Also, I like the design. I think it was interesting. Maybe the whole thing was a little bit overhyped for what it was. But hey, I'd rather you overhype than underhype something in a field such as this. Um, yeah. Um, I like I, the logo is a great vibe. Like immediately, I was like, that merch seems fantastic. Um, now where I come from, a powder head is someone who loves that powder baby. A and, John Mulaney you know, type, my, if you would. Yes, big John Mulaney vibes. Um, I'm guessing that wasn't where they were thinking. I'm guessing that's not some sort of double entendre type of joke they were aiming for. But without Maybe a it doubt, is. I'll respect them the more. first thing I thought before I even thought about snow, I was like, whoa. And I was like, oh, okay, right, snow. But like that was just where I immediately thought. Um, so I do find that funny. And based on you know how that uh, response to my response went, I was not the only one who thought that, <laughs> or at least saw that as a, a potential vibe. The so corrupted uh, minds. Yeah, I mean that's um, look, I'm I'm a problem. Should have sent me to Catholic school. I was never learning anything good there. Uh, <laughs> it goes yeah, one of two ways I, at Catholic school. And we both know those two ways. Sincerely not wrong. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of what I was feeling there. That, that I don't know. Uh, I don't have a ton to say because I realized like it might just be me who thought that, but obviously there's a couple of people. I do think it's a sick little like side brand. I think it's a good idea to sell some extra merch. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something else in my opinion. But you it know, could be taken a couple different East ways. Coast trash, and I'm not. <laughs> fit for like um i know no hate on any of the, the visual of it i just do think the name itself it sounds kind of funny that's all it definitely does and like honestly though i think it plays in and helps get it seen more i also really do like the word mark on this because it's kind of got like mm -hmm. a kind of graffiti effect to it but it also feels like oh you know the one uh like kind of skater clothing shop that's in like every mall in america uh, yes. You know the one yeah, I'm talking yeah, about. Actually. Yeah, I'm uh, forgetting. That. Yep. Yeah. So it kind of got that vibe to it. So I really do like it. It's kind of nostalgic. Oh my god, does this thing have a fanny pack? I didn't notice beforehand. It, oh, it did. Yeah, that's where you got to oh. keep your powder, baby. I mean, you're... <laughs> it really is just like fully up. committed to like 1992 vibes. All in on it. It really did. Also, a little Don't ask that moose for a straw. I'll say that. <laughs> Can I borrow a 20 from the moose? Fair enough. I do think, um, I don't know. Damn, I got a lot of interactions on that stupid powderheads joke. That's fascinating. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just read that. I was like, oh, God, a lot of people did see that joke. Um, why do a lot of people always see my most inappropriate tweets? <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, good. In summary, good brand good idea i just laughed at it that's all fair enough and on that note i have and to maybe not the... know what they wanted me to laugh at i guess mm -hmm. while we're debating about things to laugh at i now have to take a look at the oh yeah you did get good interaction on that i replied didn't though but your your thing originally did yeah it's actually pretty solid i've been putting up some numbers that Gastonia thing put up some numbers i thought it was wild I was like, whoa shoot but whatever tells you there's interest in that area man yeah they hope I'm learning on the initial video, too. Certainly is. And all I know is Baby J is back on the streets. 
which is back on the sixteen k on my initial Gastonia tweet the other day. Jesus, doing man when it comes to impressions, almost seventeen. Wow, you're you're Damn basically it. Taylor Swift at this point. <laughs> the Taylor Swift of obscure baseball news. It, everyone's saying it. And speaking of obscure baseball, the Pecos League has a team in Nebraska. Let's talk about this for 30 seconds and then move on. Yeah. You know who the hell Joey Galley is? He's managing uh, the club, but I don't know him. Yeah. Um, mm, sure, man. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I said, I knew I was not sure what to do with this. Um, I guess my primary thing is, uh, I don't know. I <laughs> they've had some success with the teams that are like up over, like up north of Texas, if I recall. Like, um, yeah. oil. Uh, Blackwell seems to do okay. They have a basis to work for success there. Who knows where it's going to go? But Garden City, like it could be. Um, Garden City's a little weird. We'll see. Um, I don't look, know, man. Look, I'm not holding it's, a little weird against Pecos League markets. Fair, 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 fair. So, like, um, but Nebraska's a ride, man. Like that mountain division is already struggling with how spread it is, and the Pacific is feeling more spread than it's been in a while. Um, except for these Lancasters out, so that does pull it back in a little bit. They, I forget who they've replaced it with. I'm drawn a blank on the, the town there, that but was it's the, more uh, central. Yeah, it's the north, because that's the one in Nebraska they replaced with that we're talking about. Uh, that is North Platte. No, no, no. There's another team. Oh, there's another well one. Earlier in the year. Yeah. So not the north. Um, so not the, the North Platte 80s, which is a weird-ass name, but hey. <laughs> yeah, that's a choice of the wild. I was actually going to let that slide a little bit, but no. Yeah, um, because I apparently maybe I'm wrong. it's like a homage no. to a... Uh, to like the 1980s and being the last team that doesn't, our last league that doesn't use a DH in pro ball or something like that. I don't know. That's. Well, I thought it was just an homage to like the highest speed of fastballs coming in that league. <laughs> Bang! Got it. That was rude. Sorry, Pecos. In um, fairness, it could be lower or higher. We don't know. You think they have accurate radar guns? No, no shot. <laughs> um, okay. That's a tough one, man. It's already struggling for profitability, and now you got the drives. Of course, they're not necessarily paying for buses at most of these organizations. You're mostly driving around in a car, which you, people should be aware of. Um, it's just a U-Haul van with some folding chairs in the back. If it was a solid market, I feel like the American Association would have sniffed around. Why? Because it was a summer college a league and a non-top program. league for a while? Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't even know what to make of it. I don't know. I mean, we've talked uh, about the Pecos before in the sense of they should have contracted teams as opposed to adding teams. And yes. it's like they're still not pro that. And, like, at the very least, like, if you're going to have a large league, can we at least, like, boil it down to having, like, a league of 12 teams that never, ever play each other? And just play amongst themselves, and at the very end, you pick a neutral site where you play a championship matchup. Yeah, no, that's what it should be, and that's what it kind of is, honestly. Except it's sixteen teams. Yeah. I will say, I think it's 
Bill Woodfield. Is that where they're playing? Something like that? No, uh, it's not. I don't know. I think it's like Ben Wood. Um, like that. Hold on. I, I got the link. I could pull it up. Okay. This the summary of my opinion on the Pecos, and I think yours as well, is it has potential to be better, but there is this borderline obsession with expanding um, like expanding the league into new markets and wider markets and realistically based on the talent pool and the um, the distances involved and the budgets involved and just everything honestly everything uh, based on some of the franchises that are currently in there the organizations that are currently in there and their home ballpark situations realistically this league should be pared down it's at 16 now instead of expanding or automatically replacing any team that drops is it should be brought back down toward 12 maybe 10 teams in order to consolidate the skill level raise the actual quality of play i understand that there are guys in the Pacers league who then would miss out on opportunities but hey here's the come to jesus conversation i follow the pioneer the frontier the front the uh, the what what i just oh my atlantic american <laughs> i can count on one hand the number of guys who have not immediately started in the pecos league and ended up in high level indie ball and we are not talking about affiliated if you are a guy who is bottom quarter of the pecos league yeah i will say it i will say it which is it's time to Go play adult league in your hometown and in, have a full-time job that doesn't drag you along and start, you know, start learning a career. It, it's, it's time. It's time to use your degree. Right? It's time. It, it's okay. It's okay to let it go. And I know it's hard. I know it hurts. But if you are bottom quarter of the Pecos League, it's time to let it go. And we have to not, in this situation, we need to not worry about it because it's not, I understand it's not like the Pioneer League or the American where if you say contract teams, you're talking about guys now just sliding down to the next league and it starts bumping people. Yeah. This is just, there's really nowhere else to go. Um, a lot of the, the bottom quarter league is probably already paying to play in the Pecos, if we're honest. So let's mm. be okay with it and say, let's cut four to six teams, really start to consolidate the number of talented players because there are some talented guys in that league and actually make it so the games are watchable and can be taken seriously. And when, because the problem now is there was a guy who was thrown real hard in uh, shoot. Where was he? I'm going to pull it real quick. By the he way, the article got in... sent to you. So if you want to pull it up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was in uh, Alpine and uh, the course. name's going to escape me, but he was thrown hard. He was thrown like low to mid nineties. And he seemed like there was, there was some potential there at least to move on up. They did move up. Um, but it's hard to bet on a guy like that when, yeah, you're throwing hard and you seem to be doing well and putting up good numbers. But who are you pitching against, dude? Like, yeah, it's an offensive league, but that's because a lot of these ballparks are kind of silly and some of the pitchers they're facing are a joke. But every once in a while, you'll see a string of games where it's all like 3 1, 2 1, 4 1. Not to mention the one score tapings. Three good pitchers, and you realize that the offense is not that good. So, like, by making it more consistent, your league will overnight be taken more seriously. It is not embarrassing. It is a smart business play. It cuts the overhead. Hell, 15 of the 16 teams are owned by the same person. Like, that's what it needs to, I, that's what needs to happen. If the Vegas League wants to be taken seriously, I will, 
Tell you too, I'm not covering Pecos League Baseball this year. I'm out on it. I will cover players. I will spotlight individual guys maybe once a week and shout them out for great work. But I can't take the Pecos League seriously as it is. Oh, I turned into a whole thing. Sorry about that. No, it's good. It's fine. I'll get another email that's vaguely threatening and I'll continue to ignore it. But anyway. it. Forward it. it. I'll fly out there. I'll take my ass out to Blackwell, Oklahoma. Dude, I'm already kicking around the idea of a Pecos League road trip this year. Y'all know. Yeah. It's like, honestly, part of the thing with the Pecos League, we've really done a lot of recommending to leagues this week. But, you know, but part of the thing with them, it's like, you need to standardize stuff too. Because how many times are the fields not the same, like, quality of actual field? And much more different than, like, how you have some nicer frontier fields and some that aren't as nice. It's like, still... They're all, generally speaking, playable. That's not always the case in the Pecos. On top of that, it's like we got to have some sort of realistic scorekeeping here because, like, I'm sorry, we can't have scorekeepers dragging the infield. That's a problem. There's so much about <laughs> like, yeah. like, we both know that happens more often than we want to admit. So, like, it, there's so much about it that just needs to be cleaned up and reorganized and it's like the amount of money you would save from just like getting rid of some of these smaller teams could really benefit the league as a whole. Dude, I'll bring it back. We can end this to the message I got from somebody who's close to um, uh, Blackwell. Um, And what I got for them was in reference to Austin. So for one, there's a tree in the middle of center field. Lights <laughs> shut off at 945 city rule. No host families, so they had to make it a travel team. By the end of it, they had about 14 guys going with them. Three of the remaining 14 were guys sent from Blackwell uh, when they were releasing them. They were just their best players automatically once they got to Austin. Uh, they lost their first game by almost 40 to Tucson. So the umpires left and called the league saying this was a joke and the umpires and the Pecos League works on local umpiring crews straight up quit. So they were like piecing it together and that's why they only played like three home games and they were on the road the rest of the year. Jeez. They lost the field and the umpires never had places to live so nobody would do it. Plus with no home games, that's absolutely zero money for the Pecos League. Like in the Pecos League, like they have no, no income. So dudes traveled all over just getting killed for like nothing. And you have no one so really going to back there's your you insider either. look as yeah. It's crazy. So you're really left wondering why are we wasting and guys' time with this? And Austin is still in the league. Also, I think that other team you're talking about, maybe the Pecos Bills, because they look like they're new for twenty four. Yeah, that might be it. I'm a little bit behind on couple of those Pecos stories because they're just a headache. But yeah, hold on. I'll um, send you the team. Yeah, the Pecos Bills. That's right. Yeah. That is what I was thinking of. Yep. Kind of cool logo. He's using a snake as a bat. Honestly, it's not their worst, that's for sure. We're gonna do a Pecos League logo review at some point, aren't we? If we haven't already. Yeah, gotta. In summary, if you're a bottom quarter of the Pecos League, it's okay. It's okay to let it go. I respect the fight. But it's okay to let it go, or else you're going to be playing day games on turf in Pecos, Texas. All right, let's get through these three other little minor pieces of news. Yes, sir. 
Quebec has a new pitching coach, uh, Christian Chenard. Uh, he pitched for the team in the past. He was also the coach for the Quebec youth team, the Cannoneers. So, I'm not really sure what to make of it, but they got a new pitching coach. Yeah, I love the Quebec connection. Replaces uh, what Jonathan DeMart, uh, DeMarte. I always, I never got clarification on that one. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, it was like the third best pitching staff. Who's probably a top. It was definitely a top four pitching staff in the league last year. So, yeah. look, uh, he's coming into a good staff. He's got big shoes to fill, but I, I, I trust Quebec. <laughs> like yeah. I trust Scalabrini. Like I just. You know, uh, it, I'll go with it. He can, they can be like, hey, just, you know, we're going to play uh, backwards on Saturdays. I'm like, yeah, all right, we'll see how it goes. Any case, uh, Trevor Carl, he'll take over as the Winnipeg play by play man. He held the same post with a couple of summer league teams, um, replaces, well, who was it? Like Greenwood did it last year. He was a Sacramento Rivercat guy before that and then came over to uh, Winnipeg. But now he's gone. Sure, that tracks. Yeah, I think so. I think it was Green. What was his name? I may be mistaken here. I'd have to search through my uh, my inbox to try and find the right thing. But uh, while I do that, any thoughts on Curl? Um, I like that. It seems like well, he's a local guy. Seems like he he was hosting like their weekly show or something like that. Uh, so I kind of like that. Was he doing that beforehand, or is that just what he's doing now? Because I know the play by play guy always has done that. Uh, going off memory that's on me no. um i don't know but uh, i like the local connection it's a good thing especially for a market like winnipeg um yeah green Walt, that's the name i was thinking yeah you're right he'll host this so that'll be his debut do an inside pitch yeah. um yeah I, I don't know good vibe i'm not overly i don't got a lot of input on it necessarily um yeah i don't know also, in case you're wondering, Doug Greenwald is currently doing radio play-by-play for UC Davis's women's basketball team. He's had, All right. yeah, he's done this since November of 21. He is completely done with the Gold Eyes. It looks like his LinkedIn page is closed out after six months. So interesting to see. Uh, last piece of news: We have a fire at Skyland Stadium. It was a clubhouse fire, two alarm fire, heavy black smoke. Fire department showed up at about ten o'clock. They put it out and left at one o'clock. So, clubhouse got a little bit of fire. It was an electrical fire. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oops. Sorry, I bumped my mic. That was on me. <laughs> Unprofessional. Sorry about that. And then um, you get closer into it as you're talking about trying to recover. <laughs> Oh man, what do you think of the fire in Sussex County? Well, um, metaphorical. Uh, it's not metaphorical, so that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, um, it can be metaphorical as well. More like the metaphorical fire in Gastonia. Um, <laughs> if it happened in Hinchcliffe, it would have really pit home. I was going to say, now we're going to see for an ownership group that probably isn't swimming in cash at the moment. Um, I will. I, he, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. We don't know how bad it is. There wasn't much detail around it. I, don't, I didn't see the team say anything about it. I thought it was interesting that the official report didn't say Sussex County Miners once. I don't know if that's something. I don't know if I'm reading into things. I, but I they mentioned the New Jersey Cardinals. Yeah, like, they just mentioned the that. Host. Yeah, it's just mainly because uh, that's where the stadium was built for. I don't think they're really going to be like, oh, this team's here now. If anything, they've mentioned just like the light show's still going to happen. Well, I don't know. See, I think it's. I think if there was a baseball team on fire, I'd mention when baseball team plays there. I just felt like it was weird. But I guess maybe it's not as weird as I'm making it to be. Hey, man, got to watch out for this. You, you, 
you can't have the Griswold house. If you're doing big Christmas light situations, can we plug in things in to think that to outlets and sources of energy that they're not cut out for you? Got to check the numbers and make sure that you're plugging things in to an output that can handle it. Okay, guys, don't burn your place down. Uh, any event. I don't think there's really much else to discuss here. I don't really have much to add on for the fire. You know, it happened. It seems like uh, as long as they clean up the locker room, there shouldn't be an issue. So hopefully that gets sorted out. Light show is still happening, folks. So head on up to Skyland and see some light displays. Nothing else more to add. There you go. Yeah. I don't really have much else on that one either. So do we have anything else on this uh, on the episode? Only if we want to get into uh, Baseball United, but I suppose we could just leave that for next week if you want. We can leave it for next week. I don't, I don't know that either of us really know what to make of it still. It's just yeah. vibes, which we've had play of just sort of conjecture today, so we don't need to do that necessarily. I, I know I'm a couple of days behind on the transaction sheet, and the Pioneer League got some late updates. Like, they, they backdated a bunch of transactions. They got to do a bunch of catch-up there. So if you're following my transaction sheet, which is linked on my Twitter and Instagram, then... You can, uh, it'll be up to date in a couple, and it probably within 24 hours. So, probably within 12 hours of the episode drop. And it could be updated already. We'll see how productive my night is. But, um, I, I would try to bring some like noteworthy transactions to the party. Um, it was sort of a quiet week. Blaze Brothers coming back is a good vibe for Cleveland. But, yeah, he is. um, that's really uh, out for me this week. Yeah, they got Cito Culver and Trey Hare in there too. Yeah, they're, they're starting to roll in the American Association for sure. A little bit of noise out of the frontier, a little bit out of the pioneer, but really the American Association has been the one where teams seem to be sort of already sort of gearing up and, and in a little bit of an arms race. Which I like. That's good. That's good for the players, good for the fans, good for everybody. By the way, you pick a hockey team yet, or are we going to drag this out to another um, month? No, I mean, no, nah, but I'm, I'm starting to get some opinions going, man. And, you know, we, I'm starting to get around. Can we cut anybody from the list? Um... I'm pulling the list back up. Yeah. Can you see my vibe? See where I'm at? Um, I don't know that I could stomach the Edmonton Oilers. You don't want um, the hockey they're, equivalent they're of the Angels? Yeah, they're officially the Angels, exactly. Yeah. So I, just, I can't really, I can't deal with that. All right, so we'll cross um, them out. And then that brings it to Flyers, Predators, Panthers, and Sharks, I think. Yeah, Panthers, Predators, Flyers, Sharks. Yep, four. Yeah, and, and I'm... Not entirely sure how I feel about the Flyers still. I mean, look, they're the local team, but I've also, you can be like, oh, it's obvious you cheer for them. But like, look, I've gotten this far without cheering for them. So it kind of says something about my relationship True. with Flyers organization, right? So, mm. yeah. Not enough to cross them like, out or? Uh, I don't know. It's getting close. They're just, for those who aren't acquainted with what it's like to be around and in the Flyers bubble, is like, their ownership is just the ownership that is at this point really dedicated to just being mediocre. It's like not even like the fun type of bad team. Well, that's you're like, yeah, we suck right now. It can be kind of funny. And then we're like, it, we're about the time we really starts to be like, all right, this sucks. Is like the time where you start getting some prospects and whatever. <laughs> now, like, this is just who the flyers are. Like, and they had a hot little start there and they're already back down. Like they've, they're five and five in the last 10. Like this is it. This is it. Or six or four in the last 10. This is it. This, has, this is how it will go. Oh, so it's really a decision if you want to be able to embrace mediocrity in a team that's won one cup in their history. That's now spanned about 60 years, too. Yeah, that, see, that's where I start 
yeah. <laughs> and you wonder, like, is it something in the water? Is it the building? Like, you, you know, Philly is weird with their losing teams, but, like, it does make you wonder. And I'm like, is that something I need to invest myself into? I'm already a Phillies fan. What are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, plus, we know you're an Eagles fan. You've said that repeatedly on this show. Oh, God, get me out of that situation. Absolutely not. Which has not ingratiated me with the in-laws, but whatever. Yeah. Maybe you can get him some Philadelphia Wings tickets. Um, I've been to a Wings game. I got feelings on box lacrosse. Box lacrosse is the sport that really should be doing better, and they're not. And the PFL is about to basically boot them down the road. Because um, remember, PFL just claimed Philly with the Water oh, Dogs, an entertaining team. Or PL. Oh, PPL, yeah. Sorry, PPL. So uh, it, the little, you know, I guess behind the scenes on that is it's interesting because I think box lacrosse has been – Oh, it's crazy. barely hanging on and it's because yeah. they've made it it's it's a basically unwatchable sport anybody i don't know maybe i'm off on yeah i've seen in lacrosse fans the yeah. best thing about lacrosse is it's that constant it's the fast shifting it's the constant going and motion and then you go to see box lacrosse which is like oh, okay so it's like more intense lacrosse it's smaller but the way they operate it's essentially you get the ball uh you, you hold it like it's a line like it's a line change for uh, hockey so you change you have a bunch of guys that are good on offense on you pass it around you take a shot misses it goes to the other team and then as they shift back you change back to a bunch of defense guys it's like literally there so it's like a pause for several seconds between each possession change because both teams are changing completely who is on the, the field it's a really weird situation i i they need to make changes. That's not what it's supposed to be. I I can talk box across for a bit because I, I I'm not going to, but I could just because it is. I was so shocked by how bad the product was when I went. I was like, because I, I like the crossing. It's fascinating. I wish I played the cross growing up. Like I, I genuinely, like I. It's I, a fun it sport. It was the only sport. It was the only sport that I would go to watch high school lacrosse when I was in high school. Like I played a bunch of sports. I wouldn't even go see other teams' games. Like I wouldn't go, but I would go, I did not play lacrosse. I would go to lacrosse games. Uh, and I thought it was interesting and I, but it's just box across is awful. And it's the way the rules are set up. They need somebody to come in and give them a come to Jesus moment. And that might be what the PBL is doing to them right now, but I don't know. Different conversation. I just want to say, if you're a goalie in like box lacrosse, you gotta be like shitting yourself every time someone winds up to shoot that thing, even with all the padding. Because, like, that thing yeah. is hard. It's getting shot fast from not that far away. So I'd be like, oh, this is going to hurt. I feel like we're also free passing just how ridiculous it is that, like, lacrosse goalies just don't have pads. Like, what are we doing? Oh, God, <laughs> what yeah. What are we doing? Dude. Oh, they got sweatpants on. Coolies. That's awful. Stop Dude, it. if you wear sweats in that cage, you're getting shit talked. I know too many yeah, lacrosse fair. goalies that were like, no, I don't want to get chirped. I'm just wearing my shorts. I'm like, dude, it's 45 wild, out. Dude. He's like, yeah, no, I'm not getting shit talk today. Blowing out shins. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, That's why you got to be quick with anyway. that stick there. But, oh, my God, yeah. Any event, yeah. Ugh. Lacrosse is a great sport. I want some, once we formally announce the Q&A next week, because that will be coming sometime end of December, whether that's 22 or 29 recording that, it's still yet to be determined, but it's coming. So I want whoever listens this far in, to our foolishness, ask about lacrosse. I want a lacrosse question for the Q&A, so that way we could just take a 20-minute detour talking about lacrosse. 
Hey man, that's fine. I'm about it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to curb my thoughts for now, but there will be a day, I'm sure. Oh God, that that one's really going to be the mess of an episode. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be phenomenal. <laughs> it's either going to be phenomenal or a complete tire fire, unlike every other episode. That definitely doesn't follow the speaking, same format. Speaking of, I got a roll, my guy. Yeah, I was about to I think say, plug your I think stuff. we've done this. I think we've delivered a full episode. We have. So why don't you go plug your stuff here? Because I'm just now realizing, too, I'm going to be editing this till four in the morning. So plug yeah, your stuff so that way we can leave. We're talking uh, Indie Ball Nation on just about every platform, as in Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Um, I think you and I are finally this week. I'm going to be talking content, which yeah. will clarify what I'm doing on the content front. So that should be more active coming up. And I got the transaction sheet linked on my Twitter account. I got that pinned, and I got it on my Instagram highlights, uh, just if you want to follow along throughout the year. And uh, other than that, that's basically what I got for now. Do you have anything on threads? <laughs> no. No idea. Terrible. What about X? Oh yeah, man, we're active. I'm alive on X, baby. We're <laughs> you're electric. X-rated. You know what I am, baby. You know what I am. <laughs> worst, worst uh, baseball account in the world. <laughs> Indie Raw report on everything, including threads, and then on <laughs> the platform formerly known as Twitter, currently known as X, until it gets taken in a bankruptcy hearing, uh, will be. Indie Ball Pod. So there's stuff that gets posted. I mostly shit post. It's good fun. Follow along for the ride. So, with that being said, until next time, hopefully we don't get sued for a million dollars. But if we do, remember, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>